Good morning. My name is Lisa. Our scripture passage comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. First, I'll just start in a prayer. Dear God, I pray um, just that our hearts and minds will be opened as we read this passage. Again, John 20, 11 through 18. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? She replied, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and stood to him. And said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I'm going up to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. And thank you for reading the scripture for us. Again, that was John chapter 20, 11 through 18. Um, and this is Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, 2021. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. It's kind of weird being uh, saying this in front of a camera, but not hearing any response. But I'm trusting that you at home are responding to me. And there's actually people out there um, worshiping alongside me. You know, during March, I alluded to this before. I'm an avid sports player. I'm an avid sports watcher. I like all things sports. Uh, if you've heard of fantasy sports where you have... Uh, teams um, that compete for points against other people in your league. I do almost every fantasy sport out there. Fantasy baseball, fantasy football, fantasy basketball. I even did fantasy hockey one year. Uh, the one year that the XFL was out, the other alternative football league, I did fantasy XFL. I had the player, he hate me, um, on my team. Uh, but I love college basketball, one, because of the energy and the drama and, and just the, the, the close games, the buzzer beaters and um, kids, you know, college kids that are pouring it out there, not paid, just amateur, just for the pure love of the game, putting all of their blood, sweat and toil on the hardwood, playing basketball and just dramatic finishes, emotional finishes. And I especially have appreciated this year women's basketball because, uh, you know, traditionally in women's uh, college basketball, there have been one or two dominant teams, UConn um, being one of them, that, and not a lot of parity uh, among other teams. But now that 
Other teams have been getting, like the talent pool has been growing and growing and more women are playing basketball and more women of awesome talent um, are spreading out across different teams. It's really been amazing to see the competition. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to the WNBA, that there's pro sports women's basketball. And when little girls watch TV, they can see someone who looks like them. And you know the saying, if you can see it, you can be it. And this is something that I told my, I tell my daughter all the time. If you can see it, you can be it, right? The vice president of the United States is a woman. If you can see it yourself, you can be it. If you can see yourself, you can be it. She's part Asian American. If you can see yourself, you can be it. If you can see it, you can be it. And it's been amazing uh, just to watch March Madness, the women. I think women's basketball is actually more technically sound and exciting to me um, because there's a lot of passing, there's really good shooting, probably better shooting, uh, and it's really fun um, to watch. But the other thing uh, that I pay attention to is when a team has lost and you know that there's seniors on the team and for them, once they're knocked out of the NC2A tournament, that this is the last game of their college career. And if they don't go into the pros, if they don't go into the WNBA, it's probably the last like really competitive basketball game of their life. And I imagine, man, a lot of these players grew up playing rec basketball in elementary and junior high, or maybe they got into the more serious AA, AAU basketball, the club basketball, played for their high schools, and then got recruited in college, played through their whole, maybe they got scholarships for this, but everything for, you know, many, many years of their life has been devoted to basketball. Basketball has been the thing that they've been passionate about and has occupied much of their time. And now suddenly with this one game coming to a close and losing the realization that they will never again maybe put on a uniform, a basketball uniform again and play competitively. That that part of their life is over. That they are now letting go of that and the rest of their lives are ahead of them. But it's a different, it's gonna be a different life than what they're used to. And you can see the tears just flowing out of these amazingly competitive players, these athletes. Uh, when, when the buzzer sounds or when they realize that their team, yes, we're gonna lose, how much they cry. And they go, um, they get subbed out and they go to the sideline and their coaches hug them and their teammates, underclassmen hug them and comfort them. They cover their faces with their towels and they're so emotional and they're mourning. They're lamenting. And it's a very natural human thing and very natural for us to mourn and to lament. And yes, during Easter, even as a pastor, as a church, as a worship team, we wanna bring in energy, we wanna talk about life, we wanna celebrate Christ has risen, he has risen indeed, especially after Lent, after 46 days of sacrifice and fasting, and perhaps 
you know, after Good Friday and the solemnity of Jesus' death leaving the sanctuary in darkness, the candle being blown out, that heaviness, maybe we're all ready on Sunday to put on our Sunday clothes and our hats, our best suits. I'm not wearing a suit today, but I'm actually wearing slippers too, but you can't see that. But I guess I just showed you that. But anyways, we want to celebrate, right? Woo! Comic relief. But actually, a big part of the resurrection morning in the Gospel of John is involves mourning. Mourning in the morning. Right? Verse 11, Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. And we have to know, right, that around Jesus' death, right, before he died on the cross, there were women, right? A lot of the Gospels list off the women who followed Jesus, right? Sometimes we just recognize the male disciples, right? all the 12 disciples and how they were so great or maybe how they made so many mistakes. But when we head towards the crucifixion and the resurrection, we, we begin to see the women. And if you don't, you need to go back and see that the women loved Jesus, right? What we see in the women is not just that they followed him or provided meals for the disciples or provided hospitality, but that they truly, emotionally loved Jesus. And while the disciples, maybe like Peter, denied Jesus, or they scattered and ran away, they were so fast to run away that they, their clothes got pulled off and one ran away naked, right? But the women are seen around the cross, ready to cater to Jesus, ready to um, deal with the body, to, to anoint his body uh, and whatnot. And we'll see in all the Gospels that the first people to witness the living, resurrected Jesus Christ were not the men, but the women. The women. And I just want to pause here. I just want to take a little detour here to say this fact, this is a fact. When we read this passage, along with the other resurrection accounts, we see that the first preachers of the gospel message were women. And for all you people, all you church people out there that say, oh, women can't lead, women don't preach, this is the role of women not to speak up and proclaim and witness the gospel, well, here you go, right here in the scripture. The first preacher was Mary Magdalene because Jesus said himself, Jesus sent her and said, you go and tell those other disciples, you go tell them what you've witnessed, that you've seen the Lord. 
So the first preacher and witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means that there's life in Jesus because Christ is risen and he is risen indeed. We too have new life and power in this Jesus Christ, the first person to proclaim this. I have seen the Lord. He is alive. And now I have new life in me is Mary Magdalene, the apostle to the apostles. Amen. All that apostle means is sent. And anyone can be sent, can be called by God. Amen. And that's what we believe in Renew and this church, that we're all sent, that we're all disciples of Christ, that we're called by God. And nothing can stop you from doing what you're gifted to do. If God calls you and has gifted you, do it. Go do it. Go do it. Amen. That's point number one. We can end right there. And we had church. But there's angels. He peeks into the tomb. And there's angels. Well, let me back up. This is Mary Magdalene. And the reference we have to Mary Magdalene. Who is Mary Magdalene? She's not Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's a couple or a few Marys in the New Testament. She's Mary Magdalene, which Jesus earlier cast seven demons out of Mary. And we don't know the nature of these demons, like were there demons of this or demons of that. But Jesus, what we know is that she was distraught. Her life was a wreck. She was broken. She came to Jesus and Jesus healed and delivered her and it changed her life. And from that point on, she followed Jesus wherever he went and she loved Jesus. And she loved Jesus so much that she's weeping at the loss and death of Jesus, right? The person that she's loved so much. And we gotta know that this is one of the most tender and touching resurrection accounts um, in the Gospel of John. And John, um, I think that's how John rolls because in John we also see the, the raising of Lazarus, for instance, and Jesus actually weeping when he sees that Lazarus has died. Lazar uh, Jesus has compassion over the sisters and the people who have gathered weeping and mourning over Lazarus. He has compassion over them and he weeps, right? A tender, hearted Jesus and we need to be reminded of this in this moment on this day on the resurrection it's not so much as a, what's in our brain or I know why Jesus died on the cross right because I sin and the penalty of sin is death so Jesus an innocent one had to die on the cross in order to get extra credit to cover my my wages right my death yeah, we know that, but it's not a transaction. Theologically, this is not a transactional event. This is an event, a relational event, right? Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' death on the cross was because born out of love, right? And his resurrection is born out of love, and it compels one to love other people, right? We don't love people 
because we think about it. Oh, it's the right thing to do and we love them. We love people because we've been changed, we've been healed, we've been touched by the love of Jesus Christ and that compels us to love, amen? You can't fake the love and the emotion that Mary is feeling right now. She truly loved Jesus. She's truly feeling sadness and she's lamenting. Lament is still a part of Easter, right? We don't suddenly in one week say, oh, all the problems of the world are gone and now we celebrate because Jesus is alive, right? It's not just this forced happiness, right? Because the world has been hard. Life may be hard still right now in this moment for you. Nevertheless, he is risen. He is risen indeed, amen. Woman, why are you crying? These two angels in the tomb, in the empty tomb, why are you crying? Mary replies, they've taken away Jesus. So they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. Where is the body? Where is the dead corpse of the Jesus that I loved? I want to I want to make sure his body is honored. I want to make sure his body is preserved, that we honor the dead body. She's clinging on to the body, the lifeless body that she, of the person that she loved and once knew, Jesus. But as soon as she said this, as soon as she says this, she turns around and saw Jesus standing there. It was Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus standing there. Maybe Jesus had grown a five o'clock shadow or shaved his beard or something. She didn't recognize him. I always wonder, and here's a side note, Clark Kent, Superman, right? He just takes off his glasses, he's Superman, and people don't recognize him when he puts his glasses off. They don't think he's Superman. It's Clark Kent, it's Superman, it's Clark Kent. Like, just because the glasses you don't recognize that it's Superman? That Superman is Clark Kent? Anyways, she doesn't recognize Jesus. And you can laugh, Pastor Joke. Uh, verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, this is a repeated refrain. She's, he's repeating what the angels had said to her. Why are you crying? Let me push in some more. And isn't that the case when we feel sad? When we're crying? When we feel deep emotions and sadness? We don't always understand what's bothering us. We don't always understand why we're feeling sad. Right? We can't, and when people say, how are you doing? Is something wrong? We're, we might even be annoyed because we can't articulate it. Like, don't ask me. Right? It's too raw right now. And Jesus steps in a second time, like, why are you crying? And I don't read this as a like sarcastic or ironical, like, why are you crying? You shouldn't be crying because look, I'm alive. It's more like Jesus is tender, this tender moment of compassion and a pastoral moment. An irony being Jesus is the greatest pastor, right? He's the shepherd, the good shepherd. And pastor comes from the word pasture, sheep, shepherding. Jesus is pastoring her. Why are you crying, woman? 
Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I'll get him. She's still thinking of the body Jesus, right? The corpse Jesus, right? Did you take his body away? Like, don't worry, no questions asked. Just tell me where you put him. I'll take care of it. I'll get it off his hands because I want to take care of his body and make sure, you know, it's not just exposed and pests are getting to him or whatever, he's decaying. And then 16 is interesting. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Aramaic being the mother tongue, right? In Aramaic, Rabuni. Rabuni. Like the moment she recognizes Jesus is when he calls her by name. And she says, Teacher. How many times in our life has God called us by our name? Remember that intimacy, this is a very intimate scene. And we didn't know, we need to know that God is a very intimate God. And Jesus loves us intimately before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew you. He breathed life into you. God knows you by name and I know there's someone out there that someone out there who needs encouragement who hasn't felt that God you haven't felt that God has been in your life that God even cares or has heard the cries or prayers of your heart where is God why has God been absent if God was loving and God was good we would he have allowed all these bad things to happen to me or God can't be good because the church is not good. I have not had good experiences in church. Christians have hurt me. Pastors have hurt me. Leaders have hurt me. So I'm done with church. I'm done with God. I'm done with Jesus. And I'm here to say to you that God knows you by name. Jesus is calling you by name, just as Jesus is calling Mary by name here, saying, Mary. And as soon as he says her name, the sweetest word, many sociologists and psychologists say, the sweetest word in our own personal ears is the sound of our own name, right? Jose, the sound of your own name, Jesus is calling you, and we recognize it. We recognize it. Rabuni, teacher, it is you. But Jesus, in verse 17, continues to speak and says, don't hold on to me. For having, I imagine she's just at his feet. She's grabbing him and doesn't want to let go, weeping. How could this, my teacher, my Jesus is alive. Oh, you're here weeping and crying. And he's like, don't 
cling to me, don't hold on to me forever. For I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, right? Yes, God knows you by name. God calls you by name. But when he calls, he calls to love and heal and remember you and take them back into his arms. But also he calls to commission you, to send you on your life's purpose, to send you out, right? And Jesus has a commission for Mary. And the commission is, don't hold on forever. I haven't gone up to my father. There's still work to do. There's still a task. The time is still urgent. Go and tell my brothers and sisters, I'm going up to my father and your father to my God and your God, right? Jesus is going up back to the father. Go tell them. Go witness the good news that you've seen me alive, that Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. <coughs> I just sometimes pastors yell. I don't know why pastors yell. Sometimes they yell just to wake you up, right? It's like a teacher, like, wake up! I've seen the Lord! Then she told them what he had said to her. It's so beautiful. It's so tender. She mourns. She weeps at the loss. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? She's mourning. She's weeping. Do you know where Jesus is? I've lost him. Mary. Mary. She recognizes him. Her name is spoken. We mourn. We hear our name. We're called by God and recognized in a deep, intimate way. We're restored, we're healed, and then we're sent. We're sent to proclaim the good news of the resurrection, the good news of Easter, to share it with our brothers and sisters out there, right? The news is too good not to share. And if when we've received good news, we don't wanna hoard good news, right? When we receive good news, right, we post it on Instagram, Insta, we do a Snapchat, we post it on Facebook, depending on your generation, or maybe uh, you TikTok dancing, like, I've got good news, I've got new good news, I got a new car, I got a new car, right? We receive good news, we wanna tell everyone. And if you feel like your life needs a little good news, right? Or if you feel like there hasn't been anything exciting to tell, right? Life is difficult, life is hard. I'm with you, man. It's been a year since I've, we've been facing this camera and preaching out there. There's so much more that we can be doing and wanna be doing as a church like hugging one another, right? Like getting out there and being more relational, visiting one another's homes, right? Touching people, helping more people by feeding, serving, interacting, relating, loving. 
right? Some of us have gone through a really hard financial time, right? You lost a job or you're on unemployment, right? Some of us have actually lost family members and loved ones, right? We've lost people, they've died. We've a lot to mourn and lament. We have a lot to mourn and lament when it comes to race relations in our nation and the ways that immigrants and foreigners have been treated in our country and the ways that people of color have been targeted and hurt and the ways that words, divisive language, have we've thrown at one another to hurt each other. And it's been frustrating and tiresome. It's been tiresome to explain. It's been tiresome to justify. It's been tiresome to teach. It's been tiresome to hear about another act of violence that's hurt someone who's innocent. And we're tired. We're tired. Some of us parents, kids are returning to school, but they're only returning part-time and for half of the day and then we gotta pick them up and then the other kid, if we have another kid, has to go another part of the day. Like, is this, this has even gotten harder, right? It's like, we can't work. And just think how much more people who need, both parents need to work to take care of their families and their kids. Like, how hard is it to work these schedules? And in Seattle, like the bus lot, there's no bus transportation too for all of this. So it's hard. There's a lot to mourn. And Jesus, God is asking, why are you crying? Not to say, buck up, stop crying. Like, not like a stern father saying to a kid who fell down, why are you crying? But God is saying, why are you crying? I know you, I can help. I'm come here to comfort you because I'm alive. Why are you crying? Mary, why are you crying? Lean into the living Christ in this season. Lean into Jesus Christ. I say this all the time, you're never in a place too far gone, too messed up, too broken to hear God's voice and come back and be redeemed and restored. Come back, come back come back. I want to invite you today as I pray to consider that Jesus is calling your name right now and to make a decision to say yes and to pursue him. And if your decision is yes, please contact us, email me, dave at renewlinwood.church, dave at renewlinwood.church and say, man, 
I want to say, I want to run to Jesus right now. I've been crying for a long time and I haven't known why, but I need Jesus. I miss Jesus. I need new life in my life today. Let's pray, God. Thank you that you call us by name, God. Thank you that you are risen, you are risen indeed. Thank you that you know each of us by heart and that we don't follow just a set of guidelines or just, you know, we don't have a manual, right, to put together how to follow God, how to be a Christian. But there is a deep and real intimate relationship. Help us to open our hearts to receive what you have for us. Help us to bring who we are and all that we are honestly and vulnerably and openly in truth to you and do a good work in us because you are Jesus, Emmanuel, the risen Lord. In your name, amen and amen.